Hi, this is Dr. Shanitra Cuthbertson, and this is the Emmaus One Podcast. This podcast aims to strengthen your faith and edify your soul. Walk with us as we walk with the one on the Emmaus Road. Enjoy this week's message. So this morning, we're going to go straight into our word. We're going to go into the gospel text of the resurrection, but we're going to um, spend some time around the Bible as it relates to the resurrection, because I think that this is a special Easter Sunday. There are only a handful Easter Sundays that are in the midst of a pandemic, and that impacts the way that we even see the resurrection scriptures. Because this morning is a representation that made every morning after it different. When the sun rose on this morning, I think creation knew that on the resurrection morning that everything was about to change in its time, but yet still that everything was about to change. Last week, we looked at the triumphant entry and Jesus told the people, he said, if if the disciples were not crying out, that the rocks would have cried out. And I said last week, I think the rocks would have cried out because even creation understood the moment that it was in with the triumphant entry in the beginning of ushering Jesus cross to the Christ. So on this resurrection morning, I believe that even creation knew that this morning was different. And our entire faith rests on this morning. If you are a Christian, your faith rests on resurrection morning, our entire faith. And so because of that, we're gonna look and let Paul teach us a little bit this morning as he writes to the church at Corinth. And I'm gonna read it and I'll stop occasionally this is what paul is saying and he's given justification for resurrection and he's saying now if christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead now in this letter to corinth he is fighting a argument where some were saying there is no resurrection but paul is going to make a point that's going to help us on this easter morning it says but if there is no resurrection of the dead then christ is not risen And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. That same word goes for us this morning. That's why this morning and this day is so important because Paul is letting them know, he's making a point that's a do a non-point, but he's letting them know, listen, if there is no resurrection, then we are preaching for nothing. And if there is no resurrection, if Christ, not just resurrection, but if Christ is not risen, then all this faith is empty because our faith rests on this morning. Our faith rests on him getting up. And Paul goes on to say, yes. And if if, if he didn't rise, then we are found to be false witnesses of God because we have testified to God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. If in fact the dead do not rise, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, he's going to repeat it again. Then your faith is futile. And here's a more tragic point, which we talked about on Thursday with the new covenant. If Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. And that is the whole point of what we talked about on Thursday when he set down the stage for the practice of communion. And he said that my blood was shed for the remission of your sin. And Paul is making a point to them right now. He said, listen, if you're arguing about resurrection, then your faith ain't nothing. And here is the worst, more tragic point. If resurrection does not stand, then you and I are still in our sins. And if we are still in our sins, 
that means that we are damned to go to hell. We are damned to go to hell. But the good thing about this morning and why we yell, he is risen, he is risen indeed, is because the truth is that because of this morning, my faith is not futile. This morning makes my faith realer than ever. This morning is the morning that you and I are not still sitting under the penalty of sin. We are still being sanctified and moved away from sin, but because of this resurrection morning, we as believers do not sit under the penalty of sin. We sit under the blood of Jesus Christ that has given us a new covenant and the remission of our sins. And Paul goes down on in the chapter to the 53rd verse, and he's, he's letting them know, listen, because of this resurrection, for this corruptible, this thing, this body we have that hurts and ages and breaks down and get diseases and it gets ailments and, and it takes on things and, and the immune system does not work right. Because of this corruptible body, we must put on incorruptible body. And that comes through the resurrection. And this mortal, this mortality that we deal with, the fact that all of us have to walk through that door of death at some point in time, that means that after this resurrection, that is going to be taken off. So this corruptible body is going to be replaced with an incorruptible body. And this mortality that says I have to die is going to be replaced with immortality. And this is through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. This is why we celebrate this morning, because we are going to have an incorruptible body. And we are going to taste through Jesus Christ, immortality. It sounds like something out of a video game, but it's real to us that our believers, we will taste immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. As believers, our worst enemy is death because death was never to be ours. That's why funerals, they feel so something about them feels out of place. The reason we mourn so deeply because somewhere in our hearts and in our souls, the Bible says he's put forever in our hearts. There's eternity in our hearts. And we know somewhere that something about this is not right. Every funeral, every death we see, we realize Something about this is not right. There's something in our core of our creation that knows that this should not be. And the truth of the matter is that it should not be. But through one man, sin entered the world and the wages of sin is death. And so now on this resurrection morning, Paul is telling them he's able to, to say, death, where is your victory? The victory of death has been swallowed up. And the, the rest of the verse says, where is your sting? Where is your sting? The very essence, the power, the, the energy, the crux, the catalyst of sin and death, the breath of sin and death has been snatched out this morning through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why we celebrate this morning. Because although we have not yet put on our incorruptible body. And although 
We have not put on immortality just yet. It is still ours. It is ours. And so this morning, that's what I want us to focus on. Because one of the things that, that Jesus did when he rose from that grave is that he took all authority. The Bible says all authority and all power was given to him and everything was put under his feet. And so because of that authority and power, the Bible says through one man that all would have life. And so the chains and the handcuffs that Adam put on us, they are broken on this morning through Jesus Christ. And so in Ephesians, Paul says, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. He led captivity captive. He captured the thing that was capturing and ensnaring us. And it is now under his feet and all authority is given to him. And it is done on this Easter morning. It is done. We still have some time to live out, but the truth of the matter is that it is done. And so as I begin to reflect on this fact of this authority and power being in Christ, and all of the things that he's done for us, leading captivity captive. I went back and I looked at the traditional texts that we tend to preach on this Sunday morning. They usually come from the end of Matthew or the end of John and the end of Mark. And I went back into John and I focused on Mary Magdalene. And the reason I focused on Mary is because Mary is the epitome of what I'm talking about right now. When you're talking about leading captivity captive and the freedom that comes from God and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Mary Magdalene knows this very well. The Bible says that she was delivered from seven demons. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but seven. If seven demons are in our body or oppressing us at the same time, and this is a real reality for some people that we would be all over the place, acting all kind of crazy and in all kind of sin. But it says that this Mary, when she met Jesus, that she was delivered from all seven of those demons and that freedom that she got, she used and her heart turned toward him and she stayed toward him. And so one of the things about Mary that we learn as we look at her is that she loved Jesus and she loved Jesus deeply. And so the first one to see him on this Easter morning after the resurrection was Mary Magdalene. There are different accounts where the women were with her and I'm not sure where they got separated, but the first one to see Jesus in a risen form is Mary Magdalene. And the reason that Mary was there was not even because she believed that he would be resurrected. Mary was there because she loved him so much that she was going to ride even though he had died. She was going to stay with him. She was going to do the burial preparation. Mary was going to stay as close as she could for as long as she could based on the intimacy and the freedom that she had while she was with Jesus. So Mary goes to the tomb and we're going to go with her. She's the first one to see Jesus. But before she sees him, she goes to the tomb and the Bible says in John 20, it says, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping and she wept, stooped down and looked into the tomb. And one of the things about when the Bible uses that verb weeping, when it says weeping, it's not simply um, a tear rolling down the face. It is not that silent cry. This is the type of weeping that bends one over that causes you to contract your abdominal muscles because your body is so engaged 
in what you are doing. This is the type of weeping that has a sound to it. And so Mary is outside the tomb of this Jesus that she loves because she loves him. And she's going to stay as close as she can for as long as she can. And she hasn't even yet got any revelation that there would be a resurrection or to even believe in such. She just needed to be near him, the one who freed her. And so she's at this tomb and she's weeping. And it says she stooped down and she looked into the tomb. And when Mary looked in the tomb, it says she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she hadn't even registered the fact that she's weeping so much that she's talking to angels and the angels asked her, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. They have taken away the one that freed me from sin. They have taken away the one whom I love dearly. They have taken away the one that built me up, that picked me up when people had thrown me down, the one that restored me, the one that was everything to me. I don't know where he's at right now. And that's her answer to the angels. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to her, woman, he asked the same question. And you got to pay attention in your Bible when you see something twice. He asked the same question. He says, woman, why are you weeping? And he knows her. He knows her name. He knows his disciple, which is what she is. He says, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And so when I read that this morning and I realized that Mary was asked that question twice, once by the angels, and then again by Jesus. Mary, why are you crying? Who are you looking for is the translation. And I realized at that moment, because then the answers to these questions are going to settle the faith of many forever. These questions are critical. The angels ask her, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? And Jesus asked her, woman, why are you crying? Why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? The answer to those two questions settles the rest of everything in faith forever. Why are you crying and who are you looking for? Your answers to those questions have a lot with the settledness of your faith because the answers to these questions are going to change everything on this morning because we know that Jesus is not a high priest that he can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. So if he saw his daughter, saw his disciple weeping in such a manner, his nature and tendency is, and compassion is to feel what she feels. But on this morning, Jesus ain't weeping with Mary today. He don't feel what she feels at this moment. And he's not trying to feel what she feels because she he needs her to feel where he's at. And so he doesn't need to be crying with her this morning. He needs her tears to be um, wiped away by this eternal work that has been done. And so he's not crying with her this morning, but he asked her two questions. Why are you crying? And who are you looking for? And Mary will stop crying and she will get settled when she rightly understands the answers to the questions that have been posed to her. This Easter morning, April 12, 2020, 
We are in the midst, like I said before, of a pandemic. Suffering, fear, and grief abound. They are everywhere. Uncertainty, dismay, dread, all of these things abound in our land at this moment. And because of that, the coronavirus has made this conversation between Jesus and Mary light up in a way that I have never seen before. The coronavirus has actually made these scriptures shine brighter. Here's why. Because the answer to Mary's question, just to give you a little foreshadowing, is one, she can wipe these tears away. Those tears of grief, those tears that she's been torn away and separated away from him forever, she can wipe that away this morning because when he resurrected, not only did he come back, but he made it available so we don't ever have to leave him again, whether we be alive or dead or whatever, we never have to leave Jesus again. So she can wipe those tears away. The other piece is that who is she seeking? She's seeking Jesus who was crucified and everything rests on him. So when I looked at that, it got so much brighter and I found so much hope and faith in, the, in that conversation between them two. Because when we look at the coronavirus, we realize our faith does not find its rest in the absence of suffering. Our faith does not find its rest in the absence of suffering. Our faith finds its rest in Jesus Christ and what he has done. And that's what Easter morning is about. Because if we found, if our faith finds its rest in the absence of suffering, then the coronavirus would render us faithless and empty. If we rested on the absence of suffering, then the coronavirus would have the power to wipe out our faith, but it does not because we don't rest on the absence of suffering. We rest on Jesus Christ and what he's done. Our faith does not rest on ignoring or trying to explain away the pain and the horrific death toll that we see around us right now, as of this morning, I checked, it's 109,920 plus people across the globe have been taken by this pandemic. There are believers in that number. There are bishops in that number. There are pastors in that number. There are um, uh, healthcare workers, doctors, and, and there are poor people in that number. There are rich people in that number, people who are healthy, people who are very sick, people who are elder, and people who are young are all in that number and we cannot our faith don't rest on ignoring stuff or trying to explain it away by getting these quick answers to the pain and the horrific death that we see that has been has been bought to the world because if our faith rests on us trying to always get a quick answer and explain everything away then our faith would be ignorant and insensitive but that is not what that is this morning jesus is not insensitive to her tears He's pointing her in another direction. He is pointing her to a greater truth. He is pointing her to a higher plane. He is showing her, indeed, I have taken the sting away from death and you will never have to be away from me ever again. That is what our faith rests on. Our faith also does not rest on empty rhetoric and religious traditions. Otherwise, the church building being closed this Easter morning could potentially ruin everything. But we're not resting on the fact that we get to do the Easter program or sing the song or 
put on the, the, the nice outfit today or we're not resting on the Easter egg hunt afterwards for the kids. All of that religious rhetoric and traditions and stuff that don't necessarily help edify and build us up, all that can move out the way because we don't rest on that. We rest on this conversation. We don't have to cry. And Jesus is the object of our faith. So these two questions, why weepest thou? I like the King James Version. Whom seeketh thou? Those two questions change everything. Jesus is saying to Mary, I completely understand why you're crying. Death hurt you. Suffering gripped you. You thought all hope was lost. I understand that. But let me show you why you can wipe these tears away forever. Let me show you why on this Easter morning, your mourning can be turned to dancing. Let me show you why Mary. Let me show you how he came from heaven to earth for this very purpose so that we would be free. When it said, we read the scripture earlier that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. All of that is wrapped up in this. All of that is in there. Mary, he is the author and he is the finisher. He is the one that came and got you when you had seven demons. And he's the one that will walk with you in eternity in your eternal freedom. So whom seekest thou? We are seeking Jesus this morning. And our faith rests in that. Our faith rests in that. But Mary, you know, she didn't get it quite away. And, and, and Mary, she supposed him to be the gardener. And, and she says, sir... Uh, just tell me where you put the body and, and I'll take him. And so, you know, she could lift the dead man's body away. But she was in her faith at that time. And at that point, she still wasn't getting all this revelation that we just got. But this is when she really does get it. He ain't saying woman no more. Jesus said to her, he said, Mary. And when she heard her name from her Savior, she turned and said, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. When she heard her name from her Savior. One of the things we have to know this morning is that the God that we serve not only knows your name, he knows the hairs on your head, he knows everything about your mind, your body, he knows everything you're going through right now. He knows that you're stir crazy and you're tired of being in the house. He knows that you're aggravated. He knows people are worried about finances. He knows that people are sick with Corona. He knows all of these things, but we serve a God who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Therefore, he knows our name and our names are written in the palm of his hand. And he says, Mary, Mary, Mary. We have a savior that will say our name. He will say our name. In this resurrected body, it's so powerful that he has resurrected and he says, Mary, she says, Rabona. And that is, it is a term of respect, endearment, um, affection. She's telling him, I recognize you saying my name and I call you back, teacher. I recognize my name coming out of your mouth and I'm going to respond. And we know the rest of the story that Jesus tells her because she tries to cling to him. And he tells her, he says, he says, don't, don't cling to me. 
for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my go to my brethren and say to them. Jesus says, go to my go to our brothers as though he is not the savior because he has made us friend and family. And he says, go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. He calls her name and then he tells her, I'm going to sin. And when I sin, I'm leading captivity captive. And where am I going? I'm going to my father and he's your father. And I'm going to my God and he's your God. And everything has changed on this morning. And Mary is super excited. And now she has a title that people don't like to use, but there's a historical title for Mary. It's called the Apostle of the Apostles because she is the first one to see Jesus. And she is, a, she is the first one to go back and give the good news, the good news that would change everything forever. So Mary's answers to her questions change everything because he is risen as he said. And now that he has in fact ascended as he told her he would, the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of the father. And the Bible tells us that he liveth to make intercessions for you and for me. This morning, we let the promise of eternity wipe the tears of the temporary. This morning, we seek Jesus who was crucified, but is very much alive this morning in the middle of a pandemic. We stand on faith, we stand on Christ, and we stand on resurrection. Because if anything this pandemic has taught us is that our faith is greater. Our faith is greater than death itself. And that is hard for us to grasp, I get that. But our faith is greater then death, Jesus said it before he even finished his ministry, don't fear the one that can kill the body. Because there's something after this. And Jesus has secured that something for us. He has gone to prepare a place, as he said. And he said, where I'm going, you can't go right now, he told Peter. He said, but you will go. And because of this resurrection morning, the doors are open to heaven for us. And it's open to heaven for us by name, not by luck, not by chance, by name, because your Savior is calling you by name. And like Mary, even though we don't get it all the time, my prayer this morning is during a pandemic that we stand on our faith and we respond when he calls our name, when he calls us to pray, when he calls us to weed, when he calls us to spend more time with them at this time, when he calls us to give us revelation, to change us, to make us better coming out of a pandemic than what we came in with. We I pray our response this morning based on the facts of resurrection morning. I pray that we would respond. I am so grateful to Jesus for the patience, for enduring the shame, for staying on the cross and for the forgiveness of sins without which you nor I, none of us, if we all had to pay for what we've done, if we all had to pay for what we do, if we all had to pay for the things in us that are not like God, none of us would be here. But because of Jesus, because of this blood, because of this love, you and I are able to put on incorruptible bodies one day and immortality and never be separated from him ever 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 
The Bible says that there is a stream that makes glad or a river that makes glad the city of God. There are so many things that we're going to experience with him when this is all said and done and all that is available because Jesus made it possible because he is risen because the answer to Mary's question is that she doesn't need to cry anymore because the one she's looking for is indeed the risen savior of the entire world. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe and share. We would like to take this moment to thank our mission partners for your continued support of the Emmaus ministry. If you would like to become a partner of Emmaus ministry, visit us at www.emmaus1.org. God bless. And we'll see you next week on the Emmaus road.
Amen. Amen. Amen.